Welcome to The Kingdom is for Everyone. This is your host, Matthew Hester, and this is the place to discuss all things righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to take just a moment to thank our Hester Ministries monthly supporters. You help make this podcast a reality, as well as the many things we do for the sake of the gospel around the world. We do not take your support for granted. Please do like and share this podcast. Leave us a five-star review so that we can get in front of as many people as possible. Uh, that surely would help us a lot. Um, also, consider becoming a podcast supporter. Uh, go to the homepage for this podcast, anchor.fm slash the kingdom for everyone. That's the number four. Click on the message tab, leave us a voice message or a question that we would love to feature on an upcoming episode of our podcast. Uh, Here at The Kingdom is for Everyone, we want you to be more than an audience. We want you to be a participant. Okay, I want to jump right into episode 56, and the title of this episode is How Do We Love God? And so we talked a little bit last week about intimacy with God, and um, we really focused in on incarnation. So the the primary way that God expressed His love for humanity was by joining to us. Uh, that that really is um, how God loves. You know, you think about John three sixteen for God so loved the world. There's a lot of things that we focus on. We don't focus on that word so very often. And you actually look at that, it means it's it's literally the ways and means by which God loves humanity. Um, and he loves humanity. It's like the net he threw out that covers the earth is his son, right? And um, which is God incarnate. And so we talked about how God loves us, but then I thought it would be interesting for us to address how do we love God? Because, you know, I get asked questions like this from time to time, and you start thinking about it, trying to flesh it out. And so, um, yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit for today. Uh, You know, so first thing, um, so again, the question, how do we love God? Let's just start there. And, you know, that's an interesting question because depending on culturally where you are, what, what uh, nation you're in, in around the around the planet. Um, it seems like the our conclusion, for most of us, our conclusion is we love God, and the way that we show that we love God is that we faithfully attend church service, right? Um, I wouldn't say that's the only way, but I think for a lot of us that's kind of the way. That's the way we show others that we love God, and for some reason we, I guess we even think that that makes God happy, that uh, we go to church, and I'm not a hundred percent sure why. I mean, I, I have an idea why, um, and and the idea probably has more to do <laughs> with with job security on one side, especially if you're you know clergy or things like that. But then perhaps it's just a culturally conditioned. Now, again, real quick, I'm not saying don't go to church. I'm saying um, we need to re-examine, redefine what we receive and believe church is. Uh, I believe a more healthy expression of the local church is a local faith community that bears one another's burdens, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. It's not, um, again, I'm not trying to to deconstruct any local church. I'm just saying um, when church has just become an opportunity for, um, you know, basically a scriptural encouragement and pro. It, through its programs, it meets our individual needs. Uh, I'm not exactly well. I'm I'm sure that's not the what uh, the family of God. Um, that's not how we should fully express ourselves. Let's just put it trying to put it as diplomatically as I can. Um, so you know, think about it. 
You know, Jesus never talked about attending services. I mean, although church certainly is a good container, right? Uh, especially authentic, like I said, local faith community, um, pursuing after the the same goal, you know, to love well, to impact our community for the goodness of God and to reflect the nature and heart of God. Awesome. Um, and then, you know, we you, you hang out with people and there should be this transformative quality to that. Hopefully you're having new people come in. You're having the opportunity to minister and to show them love and compassion. Um, and then, you know, it's kind of funny if you think about it, the, the, the old Testament prophets, there are times where they almost kind of portray that, that God has a disdain for like self-serving church services. You know, Jeremiah, Jeremiah seven, four, you know, um, the sanctuary, the sanctuary, the sanctuary is all we care about. You know, Jeremiah shouts that I hold my nose at your incense. So of course he's talking about, you know, temple observations. What I want you to do is love the widow and the orphan. And and both Isaiah and Amos uh, share that, Isaiah 1 and Amos 5, as do Jeremiah, Hosea, Joel, Micah, Zechariah in different ways. You kind of see what I'm getting at. And so what what is a good um, measure, if you will, self-measure, that you can identify that you're maturing in love um, is, is not so much in what you have signed up for and dedicated yourself to by means of repetitious, you know, attendance, but are you loving better today than you were yesterday? Are you loving better in 2023 than you were in 2020? Uh, and, and not just loving, not just self-love, which I know is a, a big, big thing right now. I'm all for healthy emotions and, and, and working through all that. Uh, but self-love at its core is not necessarily agape love. Agape, remember, it needs other-centeredness. It needs an object for it to truly mature and be realized. Um, so it's, and it's also not about just loving people that are like you, because what, what point does that serve? No, um, loving the widows and the orphans, loving the less fortunate. And if you want to take it uh, really down the rabbit hole, you go to the Sermon on the Mount, you look in Luke chapter 10, and you see Jesus talking about loving our enemies, embracing our enemies. So that, that love really, it has bite to it. And so you think about it, the prophetic message um, is absolutely clear, yet yet we, we go right back to loving church services instead of reality. Um, and again, I'm not knocking church. I, I'm, I'm a pastor. I believe in it. You know, so much of my life has been transformed by the corporate anointing of the sons and daughters of God gathering together with purpose. But there is a, there's a reality that far supersedes our programmed attendance. So if we're just sitting there thinking, okay, the way I show God love is 52 Sundays a year, um, then you're selling yourself short. So I believe our ability, or inability rather, to recognize the love of God in what is right in front of us has made us separate religion from our actual lives. So in other words, I'll be the church Matthew on Sunday, but then I can be highway to hell Matthew on Monday, you know? And and, and hey, uh, even throughout the week, well, you know, unless you got a midweek service, so then you can be... You can be, I can be good Matthew on Sunday and good Matthew on Wednesday night. And then after that, you know that I love God. People know it because that, you know where to find me. Um, so again, there, there is Sunday morning, and, but then there's also a real life. 
And a lot of times what we encounter on Sunday gatherings, as beautiful as they are and as necessary, I, I'm, I am pro-local church, um, a lot of times it doesn't feel like reality, right? Because when you leave and then you, you, you still are dealing with the same issues, you're still dealing with the same questions and doubt and heartache. Um, okay, so what does this loving God really look like, right? He's got to be more than a message. Uh, he has to be even more than a feeling. So, okay, well, so I know God loves me, but um, how do I show that I love God? And um, and so, you know, the, the only way that I know how to teach anyone to love God, and, and really the only way that I know how to love God is to love what God loves, right? Um, well, what is that? Well, that's everything, that's everyone, and that includes you and me. So it's not nearly as narrow as uh, we wish it would be at times. We love because God first loved us. That 1 John 4, 19, our capacity to recognize and to love God back starts with Him. And then, you know, if we if we love one another, God remains in us, and God's love is brought to perfection in us. That's, again, 1 John 4, 12. So then, you know, we love with an infinite love that can always flow through us, and, and so then we're able to love things uh, in their thisness. Uh, that's a, that's a term that John, John Scotus uh, came up with. I, I like um, thisness for so we can love for themselves and in themselves and not for what they do for us, right? Uh, and that takes work. It takes surrender. And, and really, the primary work is detachment from ourselves. And, and from our conditioning and our preferences and our prejudices and our our reactions and and then but, but but that is so difficult like I literally have to lay down everything I would prefer and this happens often to truly authentically love someone else because you have to love them exactly where they are not where you want them to be or perceive them to be in in the moment. Uh, or, you know, they finally reach a place where you deem them to be in the lovable category, that is not authentic love. Uh, and, and really, it takes, it takes contemplation. I mean, it takes a, a trustful mind to do such a thing. And, um, yeah, so, again, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of all over the map right now. So you think about, okay, well, how do I love God? You love everything that He loves, and that's loving everything and everyone. So to love God is to love others. Don't 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 bring your Sunday service record uh, into view when your personal record proves to be shallow in loving others. And again, we can we can sit here and talk and debate on what love is, but we also I, I think would all agree we've had love modeled for us. Right? We see it through the person of Jesus. Greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. So it's a laying down of life kind of love. What does that very much mean practically? It means I will love you as it doesn't matter how much I have to go out of the way to do it. It doesn't matter how inconvenienced I am. It doesn't matter if it causes me pain or heartache. I'm still going to love because uh, as a beloved son and a beloved daughter of an always good father, I simply don't recognize there's no other options on the table, N- none that are Christ-like. So, well, how do I love God? You love others. You love others. And in doing so, you're loving who God loves. Um, and and, it, and I get it. It takes free. It takes it takes being free from our egos, 
Um, we have to get ourselves out of the way, and and it really is this slow, this slow expansion, this slow process, and and, and at the kind of at the center of it, we start to realize that we're not, we're not the main event, we're not the central reference point uh, of everything. So then we're able to love in greater and greater circles. So our capacity expands, and then the people that we're willing to to allow into our circle of love continues to increase. Um, and, and then finally, we're at that point where we actually start experiencing what it is to love others as Jesus loves. And that's loving, forgiving our enemies, embracing our enemies. That, that's about as practical as you can get. You know, I had people ask me about the practicality of the gospel. I said, well, as practical as it gets, you sure you want to hear it? Love and embrace your enemies. Uh, that, that is about as practical as it gets. And so, you know, most of us, you know, we, we had this impression that we we have to be totally selfless and and that we can't achieve that and so then we give up on that um but selflessness is accomplished through other centered agape in other words when you truly begin to prefer others and 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 serve others which again sounds awfully jesus like to me it has a way of of uncentering you and centering yourself back on jesus thereby um exploring selflessness right um and um you know you think about it I, I, again i want to share just this this final thought here because uh, we had mentioned john scotus earlier um uh he he had this teaching um that uh, basically encourages that we should seek a harmony of goodness and and the way he kind of explained it is you know we're, we harmonize and balance uh, necessary self-care with the constant expansion beyond ourselves to loving others in themselves and for themselves. So it's not that we, in our other-centered love, we still have to make sure we're taking care of us uh, because a, a, a broken and torn apart person uh, is is gonna is gonna love through that brokenness and torn apartness, uh, and there are times where we start bleeding on the people we're supposed to love, and and, and so um, there is there is this again harmony of goodness uh, as as John would put it, and so um, imagining and working towards this harmony keeps us from giving up on impossible and heroic ideals, you know because again I mean I I ponder this thought I don't know if you have as well is it truly possible, especially in the Western world to live a selfless life, you know, because, you know, I, I, I'm sitting here recording this podcast. I'm, I'm surrounded by things. Some of them are necessary to produce what I'm doing right now. And then others, I'm just like, man, I could sort through that. I could donate that. That probably should have been trashed a long time ago. And again, I'm not just talking about, um, you know, the, the central focus that things often take up space in our lives. But then if you look at your own internal capacity, what things uh, internally should should I have put on a shelf a long time ago? Things I should have let go of. Paul picks up on that. And he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I, I acted childishly. But when I matured, and I would submit the great the great maturing in the kingdom of God is maturing in love. When I became a man, I put away childish things. Are there things you're carrying right now that you, you're just like, you know what? Why didn't I throw it in the trash a long time ago? That way of thinking, that way of, that way of contempt. 
why do I still think that way about that person? I haven't seen them in years. Um, and, and, and all those things can crowd the space for us to have harmony. All those things can crowd the space for us to not even be able to be, um, you know, selflessly centered on someone else because we're so focused on us in the moment. Our issues, our offenses, our, um, you know, complaints, and not saying that those things aren't real, but we need to be able to have the space and perspective to let them go, knowing that it's for our good and it's for the good of those involved as well. And so now that possibility of love is always right in front of us, always concrete. It's it's not a theory. It's not even a heroic ideal. It's not even a, a, a distant goal. It's it's a now reality. Okay, so I, I hope I answered this question in our time together today. How do you love God most authentically? Most accurately is by loving what he loves, which is everything and everyone, right? And then, okay, well, how do I start? You start right now. You can start a thousand times a day. Every opportunity you have to to show someone the love of Jesus right where they are, um, that gives you an opportunity to, to walk in other-centered, self-sacrificial agape. And in doing so, you will be known by your love for God. You, you, people will know how much you love God by how much you love one another. Again, that's another verse for us to ponder and contemplate on. All right. So, uh, yeah, that's just what I want to encourage you, uh, on today. And, um, at the filming of, of this, uh, I'm sorry, at the recording of this episode, um, this is going to release just a day or two before I head out to Nicaragua. And so looking forward to a great time there and co-laboring with my dear friend and brother, Bishop Carlos Garcia. And, uh, and, and we'll, uh, you know, in some of our upcoming episodes, perhaps we'll get into some of that. I would, I would like to, we'll see if it'll happen, have a conversation with him, which is always a delight that we could possibly bring to the kingdom is for everyone. We'll see what we can figure out. Uh, all right. So let's go ahead and wrap this up for today. Um, just want to mention Hester Ministries. Go to our website, hesterministries.org to find out more information about where, what we're doing. You can purchase product there, see what our itinerant schedule is. We've got a lot of upcoming dates uh, throughout the remainder of 2023. Uh, we'd love to hug your neck and uh, meet you face-to-face if we haven't had the pleasure yet. Uh, also go to presenttruthacademy.org. We have a brand new primary study track coming up. It launches on September the 11th, 2023 called The God Who Looks Like Jesus. It's a 10-week study on crucifixion form, which I want to encourage you to get. People are so excited about this, uh, and I cannot wait. I think it's going to be one of the most significant primary study tracks that we've done. Uh, Reach out to us, and we'd love to help you get signed up for that. Uh, We do want to remind you to please share this podcast, like it, leave us a five-star review so that we can get in front of more people. All right, well, God bless you. Have an amazing week. Thank you so much for letting us into your world on Tuesdays when these episodes release, or whenever you listen to our podcast. It means more to us than we can express. All right, God bless you. Have an amazing week. I want to remind you of this before we sign off. If the kingdom isn't for everyone, well, then it's not for anyone. God bless you.